Amen. I hope you'll find your Bible or open up your iPhone or some app and uh, look with me in Acts chapter 6 together this morning. Acts chapter 6, we're going to begin reading in verse 8 and we're going to finish uh, Acts chapter 6 today and uh, Acts chapter 7 will also be a part of our conversation uh, this morning. So next week we'll, we'll pick up in Acts chapter 8. As we've been walking through the book of Acts, we've been reminded over and over again that the New Testament church was marked by its obedience to the command that was given to Jesus at His ascension. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, as we talked about last week, it could be understood as the home or, or the base of all of the acts of the apostles. As everything that the apostles did in all of the book of Acts, and even hopefully up until this day, has been circled around and focused on the completion of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. We see the New Testament church living out this witness into all of the world. Witness into where they live, but witness into their state, we could say, their nation, and ultimately into the world. And today we're going to have the opportunity to look at a particular man in Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 8. We were introduced to this man in the beginning part of Acts chapter 6 last week, but we'll take a, a deep dive into this character that we know as Stephen. Now, I want to recognize this morning something that many of us think as we approach Scripture, and that is when we see people's testimony like Stephen, and, and even as we will look to Paul's testimony, Saul became Paul, as we look at their testimonies, sometimes we look at them and we consider Stephen and Paul and even the 12 disciples maybe as maybe some superhero picture. That this is a picture of Christianity that maybe is out of reach for us. And so we might even set Stephen up on a pedestal or, or we may even try to set Paul up on a pedestal as saying that these men and others like them are extraordinary Christians. But I would propose to you today, and what I believe the testimony of Scripture is, is that it's not so much that Stephen and Paul are extraordinary or out of the ordinary as it is that we modern believers are the ones that are out of the ordinary. We are the ones that are odd and unique in comparison to the testimony of the New Testament church from its beginning in Acts chapter 1. You see, the example that we see of Stephen and, and even the example that we will see of Paul in the coming weeks, this was the, this was the first century believer the first century believer was bold. The first century believer had faith that Jesus Christ was indeed who he said that he was. The first century believer was willing to die for the truthfulness of the gospel. You see, I would say that Stephen and Paul are not extraordinary or odd or out of sync with the word of God. I would say that most of us are the ones that are odd and out of sync. Yeah, the expectation that we see in these believers in the New Testament church should be our expectation for our lives as well. We should not look at Stephen or Paul as a standard that, that we are not expected to meet, nor, nor we should we look at them as a standard that we cannot meet. Instead, I believe we should read this account of Stephen and we should see it as a model of a Christian faith that we should strive to have. So it is important for us that 
that we read about Stephen and, and we watch and we make note of his actions as a challenge for us as believers that we will seek his level of commitment to both the service of the church, the speaking the truth of the gospel, and ultimately, if necessary, the surrendering of our life for the sake of the gospel. Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 8, reading through the end of that chapter, says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged in the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those of Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council." They set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. God, we ask this morning, as we have already several times, that you intercede for us, God. Let your Holy Spirit speak to us, God. Use this message this morning to encourage us as a New Testament church, but also as believers, wherever it may be that we stand. God, I pray that if someone is listening that has not trusted in your gospel, that as they see this example of Stephen this morning, God, they will trust in the truthfulness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be with us as we walk together, Lord. We pray and ask this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and by His authority. Amen. A few things I want you to notice, I think, from this example of Stephen that should be encouraging to us as the church. Three simple points this morning. First of all, Stephen served for the faith. Stephen served for the faith. Now what's interesting, if you'll go back and read chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, then what you're going to see is that, that Stephen was picked out from among all of the believers. Stephen was one of those that was picked out to serve the widows. The Hellenist Jews felt that their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution, and so the apostles all came together and they said, how are we going to see and how are we going to meet this need? And they said, let's choose from among us those that are the most spiritual and let's, let's allow them to wait on the tables of these widows so that we can dedicate our time to prayer and the ministry of the Word. And we talked about that last week. And Stephen, he is one of those men... He is one of those men who was chosen from among all of the disciples to serve those who were being ignored. And Stephen was chosen, make sure that we, remind, we are reminded of this, Stephen was chosen because he exemplified the heart of a follower of Jesus Christ. You see, it seems that the physically serving of the church was the natural outcome of those who are serious and mature followers of Christ. 
As those disciples tried to seek who is it that should serve the congregation, it was the ones who were the most spiritual that they sought after. And they would take the most spiritual from among them and they would determine where it was that they ought to serve. You see, there was, there was no fickleness in Stephen's service because there was no fickleness in Stephen's dedication to Jesus and the gospel that Jesus came to proclaim. Here serves as an example for us to follow in our own service, but also as a church in our selection of servants of our fellowship. Those who should serve among us should not just be the ones that are available... They should be the ones that are the most spiritually mature among us. This spiritual maturity will be the measure and not just availability. And as we choose those from among us that are the most spiritually mature, as they did in Acts 6, 1 through 7, we will see and we will be reminded that when our faith is anchored inside the gospel of Jesus Christ, we will not be fickle towards His church. And so Stephen is found in Acts chapter 6 and verse 8, full of grace, full of power, doing great wonders and signs among the people. It's not just because he was at the right place at the right time that we find him available to do these great signs and wonders. It's not just because he happened to be where signs and wonders were being displayed that day. Stephen is able to display these great signs and these great wonders because he served the God who was the holder of this power, who was the holder of this grace, who was the holder of all the signs and of the wonders. You see, I want you to see here that that Stephen is found in Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 8, as serving the church of Jesus Christ. And he is seen as serving the church of Jesus Christ because he qualified to be a servant of the church of Jesus Christ. He served because of the faith that he had in Christ Jesus. Not only do we see Stephen serving in deed, but we also see him serving in the Word. And that's the second thing that I want you to see. Stephen stood for his faith. Look at verse 9. Some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, And the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians and those from Cilicia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard from him, and we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. We find Stephen serving in the church, and in the midst of his service, being called out by these Jews because of the testimony of his faith. As we've looked at the book of Acts, there has been a unique connection between meeting physical needs of people and the proclamation of the gospel. I would challenge you to go back and read so far from Acts chapter 1 all the way through Acts chapter 6, and you will be reminded that there is a unique connection between meeting the physical needs of people and proclaiming the gospel. And as we see in verse 8, Stephen meeting the physical needs of people in grace and power. He was doing signs 
and wonders. And we know from the first few verses of Acts chapter 6, he was meeting the physical needs of the, the widows, of those Hellenist widows, because he was part of the daily distribution. But Stephen, in, his, in the midst of meeting these physical needs, was never very far from the proclamation of the gospel. And so it is of no surprise here to us, it should be of no surprise to us that, that as he is helping those around him, he has also heard and he has seen preaching the gospel. Now it's also interesting to me, if you'll go back and look at that verse that we just read, verse 9, it says that some of those who belong to the synagogue of the freedman, see that, and the Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and from Cilicia, and from Asia, these five groups of people rose up against his preaching. So not only was he meeting the physical needs, but he was proclaiming the gospel. So much proclamation of the gospel was going from Stephen's mouth that he had already offended five unique different groups of people. Some say that he had been preaching in five different synagogues. So here we have Stephen doing the physical work of the gospel, but also doing the labor of the gospel, the evangelism of the gospel. This deacon who is serving the table of the Hellenist widows was also teaching in the synagogues maybe of at least five different places. And as he is doing so, he is accused. He is accused of blasphemous work against Moses and God. And we know as New Covenant believers that what he was teaching was not blasphemous. What he was teaching about Jesus Christ in relation to the work of Moses in relation to what God had done with Moses is not at all blasphemous. And yet still, these accusations will come against Stephen and it will cause another opportunity in his life to preach the gospel. In Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 6, Stephen is arrested... Acts chapter 6, Stephen is questioned about what he is preaching. And in Acts chapter 7, we don't have the time to read it together this morning, but in Acts chapter 7, under lock and key, maybe in chains, Stephen stands boldly and he continues to proclaim the gospel, teaching these Jews, teaching them how Father Abraham and even Joseph and Moses, and David, how all of the patriarchs of their faith ultimately lead them to Jesus Christ, and how Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of every promise that God has ever made. Stephen's argument to those Jews who are listening is simple. Your father Abraham's lineage has led us to this place, the place where Jesus Christ, the promised Savior that you've been waiting for, he has paid the Christ for your sinfulness, and he is the Messiah. Stephen, he served the church faithfully, but Stephen preached the gospel faithfully, even in the midst of difficulty. Stephen preached a clear message, a clear message that was grounded inside his own faith. Can you imagine the courage it took Stephen? 
to stand among all of those Jewish leaders that day. The courage that it took for Stephen to stand up even in the midst, under trial, under duress. Can you imagine the courage that it took from Stephen to declare that in fact the gospel he had been teaching is absolutely, without a doubt, positively the truth and they needed to hear it. And so we have a challenge as well as we read from people like Stephen who are not extraordinary but the ordinary first century believer. And it should be the testimony for us. The ordinary believer. The ordinary believer in 2020, the ordinary believer in this day should be one with great courage who stands up for the speaking and the testimony of the gospel. Even if there are groups of people that don't like what we say, we still have a message of hope to offer to the world. We have the greatest message of all time. As Stephen declares, we have the greatest message of all time to speak and we ought to be like Stephen, a first century believer, found standing up and preaching the message of the gospel itself. He, he preached in deed. He preached in word. And ultimately, the last thing I want you to see is that Stephen surrendered his life for the faith. Stephen surrendered his life for the faith. Again, you can go and read Acts chapter 7, verses 1 through 60, but beginning in verse 54, follow along with me. Acts 7, beginning in verse 54. When they had heard these things, which was Stephen preaching the gospel, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city. They stoned him. The witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell Asleep. Stephen served the church because of his spiritual maturity, the foundation of his faith. Stephen declared the message of the word, the gospel, because he believed deeply of its truthfulness. Stephen surrendered his life. He surrendered his life for the faith of Jesus Christ. The message of this gospel was so important to Stephen that he was willing to die for its proclamation. There are two significant statements that are made in Stephen's stoning event that I think are encouraging for us today. The first one is, is it reminds us that, that at Stephen's death and at our death as well, that we will have unity with God. 
that we will have unity with God. Listen to what he says. As he is dying, as he is being stoned to death, he surrenders his life, but he surrenders it to the presence of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, Stephen says. Stephen knew that to die for the Lord and for the Lord's gospel would be rewarded. The reward that he received was not because he died a martyr preaching the gospel, though you will be rewarded for that. It was a great display of his obedience. His reward was because now he not only taught the gospel, but he believed in the gospel. This is why he will see the Lord Jesus in a very real presence at his death. The second thing that he says that is most convicting to me, and I think it ought to be for us. Verse 60 says, And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Certainly as you hear those words, that Stephen at his very death looks to God whose presence he is about to enter and he says, God, do not hold this sin against them. Certainly as you hear that read, certainly you think about Jesus. And Jesus himself as he was being crucified for the sins of mankind, he looked to those who had hung him on the cross. He looked to those who had gambled away his clothing. He looked to those who had committed murder. And he said just what Stephen says here. Jesus says, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, Stephen surrendered his life for the faith of the gospel. And I want you to hear me say that this final breath of Stephen and one of the few final words of Jesus Christ, this is what the gospel is. It is forgiveness. It is Jesus looking down to us as Stephen looks to those who have stoned him and saying, forgive them. Forgive them for their sins. Forgive them for their hatred toward me. Forgive them for this crucifixion and the act of nailing me to the cross. This is the very gospel itself. Jesus and Stephen both recognized that the greatest need of all of mankind was the forgiveness of the Father in heaven for their sins. This is the gospel that Stephen believed in. It's the gospel that made it him willing to surrender his life, to teach to enemies, and to serve the church of Jesus Christ. The forgiveness that Stephen had experienced was the motivation for the story of Acts 6 and Acts 7. And this forgiveness, if we have experienced it ourselves, it should be the motivation for the same things in our lives. It should motivate us to serve the bride of Jesus Christ, His forgiveness. It should motivate us to testify to the gospel of Jesus Christ. His forgiveness should motivate us. It should motivate us to surrender ourselves, to surrender our own lives so that we might declare to someone else 
that Jesus Christ paid a penalty for our sin. I think there are several ways that you can respond to this message this morning. I think some of those ways that we can respond this morning is that we can, we can have a renewed commitment to the bride of Christ because of what he's done for us, because of the example of Stephen. A renewed commitment to the bride, which is hard right now, I get it, but the day's coming when we're going to be back together. And we're not going to be looking for fickle servants who are just available. We're going to be looking for people who are dedicated to the work of the gospel. Dedicate yourself to the church of Jesus Christ. Some of you need to dedicate yourself to the Jesus for the first time. You need his forgiveness for your sinfulness. You need to recognize the payment, the penalty that was paid for on the cross of Jesus Christ and the life that is available to him in his resurrection. You need to trust in his gospel, the proclamation of his gospel. And some of you, I believe, during this time, you've been convicted about not surrendering yourself. To the Lord. Maybe some of us, we've just been playing the game. And these eight weeks away from the body of Christ, and these eight weeks where we've been personally given the opportunity to read His Word and, and pray, maybe, maybe God has convicted you that it's time to surrender. It may not cost you your physical life, but it may cost you your well-being. It may cost you your idea of your future. It may cost you your plans. We need to be like Stephen who's not an extraordinary believer. He's the ordinary first century follower of Jesus Christ, a man who served indeed, a man who served by proclaiming the word, and a man who surrendered his life as an example for us. God, we ask, Lord, that as your Holy Spirit has spoken to us in this place, God, that your Holy Spirit will continue to convict us. And God, even as we leave this place and as we turn off our phones or we turn off our televisions, God, that, that we will continue to be convicted by the presence of the Holy Spirit. God, I want to be like Stephen, an ordinary first century believer. I want to serve you. I want to speak your gospel. I want to surrender whatever it is in my life that needs to be cut away. God, lead us to make those decisions today just as those that have joined us, God. Lead them to make those decisions today as well. God, we're so grateful for you. We're grateful that you saved us. And God, that our salvation that we find in you, God, it allows us the opportunity to serve you, to proclaim your gospel, and to surrender. And so, God, I pray today, I pray today that as we have this final worship song, that you would continue to work among us. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.